such meaningless thought The shell appears strong But the inside is right It's time to be stirred The time is now The winds have changed Read the signs No time to hide The winds have changed Millennia ago from the little cave on the tiny island of Podmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. And good Monday afternoon. This is Mary Helen Fiorito. I am the Cardinal Francis George Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C., and I am joined as I am most Mondays now by my co-host, Loretta Fralick, a former criminal prosecutor for the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, and we are sitting in for Father Anthony here on listener-supported Winds of Change on AM 750 WNDZ. It is a joy to be with you, and I was not with you last week. Loretta was holding down the fort on her own, as she does so capably and charmingly, because I uh, was preparing for a fairly significant talk that I was giving. I was invited um, now for a second time for an encore performance to Ave Maria School of Law in Naples, Florida. You know, Mary, anytime you speak in, uh, to a bunch of lawyers, I got to tell you, it's a little more than significant. That's a tough crowd. Well, it, thank you for saying, you know, it is. And you have to be, um, you know, any any error I would have made, <laughs> you know, even unintentional would have been... Um, you know, would have been noticed if I had if I had misstated something. So I a lot of research went into uh, my talk as well as a lot of writing. And so, um, but they have an annual uh, like endowed lecture um, called the Monsignor Lawrence Higgins Pro Life Lecture that is given. They do it after the march every year because the students all go to the march in Washington and then they come back and then they have their own. Uh, event in Naples. So, you know, twist my arm to go to Naples, Florida in, in February. Um, tell, us, tell us what's Ave Maria? What is it? So Ave Maria is a both a university, an undergraduate university, and a law school that was founded by Thomas Monahan. And that's who, from Michigan, right? From right. Well, it started Ave, in Michigan. It started in Michigan. It initially um, was established in uh, Ann Arbor, um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then they moved um, to be proximate to the um, to the undergraduate campus, but also, you know, it just sort of made sense um, having everything sort of in the same place. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's a very, it's a, it's still a growing law school. It's only 25 years old, but they aim to give um, lawyers an education that takes into account the intellectual traditions of the Catholic faith and its contributions to law. I mean, some of our greatest saints, right, were were lawyers, studied law. Yes. Um, so it's just it's just a marvelous place and really 
good, dedicated students, and they have a pro-life club called the Vita Society, and so um, they're mostly second- and third-year students. And uh, they had them to ask me, uh, they were there present to introduce me and to ask me questions. And it was just, I mean, we had Domino's Pizza for lunch. So there's a little, you know, incentive for the students to come, free pizza. And, um, I mean, they just couldn't have treated me more generously and kindly and um, just a lovely, lovely couple of days overall. You know, because it's such a... It is a long flight. It's about a three-hour flight to uh-huh. get down there, and then the campus is about an hour from the airport. So, um, it's it's not one of those things where you can come in in the morning and fly out in the afternoon. That would that would really be a complication. But it, um, so I had to stay for a day and a half. But it was really just oh, Mary. I know the cross my, you'll bear. Well, for it the was cause. funny. It was funny because in uh, the first evening, I think it was fifty-eight or sixty something like that. But, the, you know, the sun has not been out, listeners, uh, in Chicago for more than two weeks now. I feel like I live in a black and white movie. Honestly, that's how bad it is. Like, I have not seen. And that really wears on you. It does. You know, it, it does. really does. And they were complaining about the cold and it was like 60 degrees. I'm like, I'm putting shorts on. You know, what are you kidding? Um so at any rate, it was it was a good uh, it was a good opportunity. Um, you know, I always love being with law students. And well, tell um, us about your talk. What yeah, was your so, talk about? Um, thank you, thank you for asking, Loretta. Uh, so I so the talk was actually on the feast of the presentation, and so um, I I began with talking about. A personal uh, favorite feast. It because is. Because two prophets I read about. That's right, Simeon and Anna. Anna. It's a beautiful oh, the gospel. Yes. From the presentation is so beautiful. It's, it, it's it's an important feast day, so we have three readings at daily mass rather than the usual two. Um, and so I talked about the the title of the lecture was when they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord. And okay. I, so I began by talking about you know that particular line from the, that day's gospel and how neither Jesus nor Mary needed to go to the temple that day. You know, Jesus didn't need to be redeemed. He was the redeemer. And then Mary didn't need to be purified because she was already pure and immaculate. So, but Joseph and Mary and Jesus, giving a good example, went to the temple and uh, with no obligation or need to do so, but went to be a good example to others. And so, you know, I talked a little bit about how, you know, that being a good example, um, you know, St. Paul talks about this in Corinthians when he's talking about the meat that's sacrificed to idols, and he's saying to the Corinthians, you know, I know that you know that it doesn't mean anything. They can sacrifice that meat to whatever statue was standing there, and you know that doesn't mean anything. But your brothers and sisters who aren't educated yet in the faith, they might not know that. So out of love for your brothers and sisters, don't eat that meat because you could lead someone astray. You know it means nothing, but you they're, they're in a very, um, you know, uh, St. Paul says, be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, that will embolden the person to eat what is sacrificed to idols. So I talked about how, you know, our, our own obligation to be careful of the example that we're setting. You know, that's very important for a lawyer. And so we, we talked a little bit about that. And then... Well, Mary, um, it's interesting that you mention be careful the example that you set, right. because uh, I recall a situation where uh, we had an issue with a judge who the defense attorney was representing her husband who was running for judge his fine. He was on his finance committee, 
Wow. And we had a trial in front of her, and we asked her to recuse herself. Hmm. And she was adamant that she did not have to. Um, we made the argument that it's not because she kept saying there's no wrongdoing. There's no wrongdoing. I haven't done anything wrong. He hasn't counseled me. And I said to her, it's not whether or not he has. It's the appearance of right. impropriety Correct. that right. is your standard. And right. she took a lunch break and came back and recused herself. So what you're talking about is so basic to legal ethics and, you know, what people need to be taking into um, their hearts as they're living their lives. I'm not asking that any, you know, scrupulosity gets started here, but we always have to look. It's not the wrongdoing so much as it is the appearance mm. of impropriety. Mm. Well, we have some breaking news here. I have never once in all my life been able to share breaking news on live radio, but um, King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, isn't it? So it just, uh, King Charles, I'll just read what just popped up mm-hmm. on my screen here. King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace announced in a statement the 75 year old monarch had uh, returned from Sandringham where he was recuperating from his for his prostate cancer, or sorry, enlarged prostate surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they said that it was, uh, I'll just read the statement, during sure. the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. His Majesty has today commenced a schedule of regular treatments uh, during which time he has been advised by doctors to postpone any public-facing duties. Throughout this period, His Majesty will continue to undertake state business and official paperwork as usual. Um, he has chosen to share his diagnosis to prevent speculation and in the hope it may assist public understanding for those around the world who are affected by cancer. Um, so, yeah, this is from the Daily Mail just released this. So they must have just released the statement now. So um, prayers go out to King Charles. Yes, because he is an anointed king. Yes. He's, uh, he's an anointed king, and that is something, there is a spiritual role that he holds, even though he is not of our faith tradition. Um, you know, Carol Houselander, the English Catholic English, English mystic, uh, wrote and talked about this, about the, the role of the anointed king, and he and that is what he is. So this is, boy, the poor royal family, I have to tell you. I mean, you know, not poor, obviously, the financial stuff. Uh, but, you know, one wonders. Um, but thank God they noticed it, and um, he's already beginning treatment. He's He's gone back from Sandringham um, and has returned to London and will uh, begin his— um, begin his treatment. We also want to pray for uh, Prince William and his family because I know that uh, his wife is also recuperating from surgery, but they will take on additional duties as the king steps back. Well, they say that um, because Prince William, he he apparently did a public, uh, did one public uh, event today, Mm -hmm. but that he, um, he's cutting back his, you know, what, what, what is going on with Princess Catherine, the Princess of Wales, must be significant because she was 13 days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that's a long hospital stay um, in this day and age. And um, I don't know. With her schedule and three kids, 13 days in the hospital, yes. she might just and catch up. Yeah, interestingly enough, the um, the uh, 
children did not come to see her, but apparently that's quite discouraged at whatever this London clinic is that, that she was being treated at. They really discourage family visits unless the person is sort of terminally ill and, you know, wants sure. to see their family. So, um, so in her... You know, they have the, they've had the, a nanny since the I believe the eldest was just an infant, so the same person. So they have a lot of continuity, continue, uh, continuity of care with um, the kids. But um, yeah, but they say that uh, so when the I guess the protocol is so when the king is because he's head of state, um, the protocol is that when he is going to be incapacitated in any way, he can uh, appoint count what they're called counselors of state who can kind of step in. I think Princess Anne is going to be one. She's one. Uh, Catherine is one, I Kath- understand. Right, but not not in this particular instance. Oh, William, right. yeah, because she's incapacitated herself. Oh, wow. So it was Princess Anne, and then I believe the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, which is Prince Edward and uh, Sophie. and Sophie, Duchess of Edinburgh. And so the two of them and Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, are going to be stepping in. And I think the Duke of Kent may still be uh, doing some things, something like that. Yeah, it's all... Um, but that's good. That's even more important now. And Prince Andrew's out of the mix right now because he's had his titles removed from him. Uh, and that's a whole other topic that we won't go oh, into now. So, topic. Um, but, you know, we're at we're just at the almost at the 15 minute mark. So why don't we go to our first break? And then when we come back, I can uh, go into a little bit more depth about the, the Monsignor Higgins pro-life lecture that I was so privileged to give um, a few days ago at uh, Ave Maria School of Law. So. Uh, We will be back um, after the break. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mary Fiorito on Winds of Change on AM 750. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule? Work? Or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the sacred liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy. St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. You are listening to Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich on Winds of Change. Father Thomas Loya invites you to an experience of a lifetime. Join him along with Father Andrew Somerset and Laura Irachi for a Byzantine Catholic retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico. Saturday through Saturday, this April, the 20th through the 27th. In honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe, This retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico, is designed to offer you an experience of culture and faith, as well as moments for personal and community prayer in the Byzantine Catholic tradition. There you will be able to venerate the miraculous image of Our Lady's image on Blessed Juan Diego's Tilma. For complete information and to register for the Byzantine Catholic retreat and pilgrimage, to Guadalupe, Mexico, Saturday through Saturday, this April 20th through the 27th. Visit the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And welcome back. This is Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich. 
Thanks for listening to Winds of Change, and we are happy to be back with you as we are most Mondays, filling in for Father Anthony. And we just um, mentioned, if you put on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, the the tremendous. All you will see now are uh, messages about um, and news about Prince Charles, who has been diagnosed with cancer and um, who has returned to London now. Uh, it was apparently not um, prostate cancer. Um, and the palace did not specify what form of cancer was diagnosed or at what stage it was found. But uh, the royal family thanks um, uh, King Charles's doctors for what they called a swift intervention. So, um, yeah, so this is that's really shocking news. That is really shocking news. And you think Why of is that so shocking. To you? Well, I mean, he's a man of a certain age, but you just think here he has waited his whole life to become the king. He was just um, invested and anointed as king. What within a year? I mean, I think it's been a year, maybe. Okay. Um, and 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 now this, you know, it's it's like he was just. Uh, and they say he was so. Now that his mother has passed away, respectful amount of time since his mother um, has has gone to be with the Lord, that he has was really relishing and enjoying stepping into this new role that he has. And so, it's. Um, I I just am very surprised. I you know I I I can understand that you're surprised, but. You know, it doesn't that tell you no matter what you think your destiny is, make sure your destiny aligns with God. Well, because, that's true. You know, he, uh, you know, I, I'm sure as he's stepping into his role that he's only waited how many years? Seventy years to yes. play. Yeah. Um, and God bless him. I mean, but you never know when God's got a different plan or he's going to zig or zag. So yeah. really, I'm not saying have your bags packed, Prince Char- or King Charles. I'm saying make sure your destiny is in tune with what the Lord calls from you. Yes. Yeah. That's that, that's good advice for all of us. One knows not the day nor the hour. And we shouldn't, right. we shouldn't have him in the grave. <laughs> you know, I mean, the poor man was just diagnosed and it does sound like, again, well, whatever you and I, it is, you know, you they, and I are both familiar with people that yes. are, are sick, right? Or, you know, not their health is not the best. It takes everything out of you to do your daily routine, and oh, he yeah. has a very yeah. rigorous no. routine yep. in taking care of. No, I, you know, you know his um, duties as the King of England, which, right, on the staff of Cardinal George when he was diagnosed with yes cancer, and so I, I know what that's like to try to keep up a schedule yep. in, in the kind of position that he has. Yep. And go through chemotherapy, which is enervating and um, exhausting and makes one very sick. And so, you know, I, I obviously... Um, well, why don't we talk more about yeah. your talk, so anyway, this which just, sounds like it's something that would be good to have in our back pocket. Well, you know what's interesting? What I did was, um, when I was writing this, I really felt the... Uh, the I, I do pray a lot, and you prayed with me, you know, when we were... Um, when I was writing this, and I try to go with the Spirit's leadings, and I felt very strongly, um, you know, to talk about a couple of different things, which was last year when I gave this lecture, we were just sort of in the aftermath of Dobbs. And, you know, you had some of these state ballot initiatives beginning, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, I, again, I was trying to go from the readings from the presentation, and when we have Simeon tell Our Lady and uh, St. Joseph that Jesus will be a sign that will be contradicted, I think that's a message to us that God's law, God's laws, and especially his law of life is always going to result in some opposition. So I, um, you don't want to focus on the enemy, of course, but I think, um, you know, 
I, I've, I still continue to be shocked by the opposition that Dobbs, um, that Dobbs has received. And, you know, when you, when you saw the, um, the aftermath, first right. of all, of the leak and then of the decision itself, you know, groups like Jane's Revenge and Ruth sent us, uh, promised what they said was going to be a summer of rage, and they certainly delivered on that promise. And uh, I would refer you to the Catholic Vote uh, violence tracker that's on Catholic Vote's website, and they are tracking very carefully uh, documented uh, violent attacks against pregnancy resource centers and also uh, Catholic churches. So since the Dobbs decision was leaked, there have been 88 affirmed, uh, confirmed rather, violent attacks against pregnancy centers and 227 attacks against Catholic churches specifically. So Wow. Um, yeah, and then that doesn't even include the illegal protests outside the home of the justices, um, uh, including I included a tweet. Ruth sent us tweeted out about uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. If you're in the, uh, this was to invite people to come to her home to protest outside her home. And remember, she has minor children, including a minor child with a, dis, you know, a severe disability who's, uh, you know, who has Down syndrome. And I don't care if she has no children. Yeah. She oh. has the right to be free of course from she harassment. Does. And an intimidation. An intimidation. Intimidation of a sitting federal Court judge, I, it, it's astounding to me um, that people. But anyway, but you'll you'll see where I was going with this. But so here was it. Uh, this is what Ruth sent us. Tweeted out. They said, if you're in the D.C. metro area, join us. Our protests at Barrett's home moved the moved the needle to this coverage. Falls Church, which is where she lives, right. is a people of praise stronghold. People of praise is a lay Catholic lay movement that Amy Coney Barrett and her husband Jesse belong to. She sends her seven kids to a people of praise school, and she sat on their board of directors. She attends church, and this is all in caps, daily. <laughs> so this is apparent. She attends church daily. Um, and then so we had that, and then we had uh, Nicholas John Roski, who— was at least charged with an attempt on the life of a, of a Supreme Court justice. Is that the one that carried his guns and his knives all the way from California right. to and Washington, then, from yep. coast to coast? Yep. To, and we charged him with what? I don't. What was the charge? You're I don't the prosecutor. Know. You tell me. I it's don't been know. awfully quiet. Can it you sure imagine if this had been at the murder. home of Katanji Brown Jackson oh my or gosh. Sonia Sotomayor? We would. There'd be daily updates on what was going on with this case. We haven't heard a thing about it because nope. it's, it's Justice Kavanaugh. So, nope, yep, however, yep. you know, we would have expected some unrest and some disruption right. after such a seismic change in the law. Yeah. Uh, so, but what I went, I wanted to see just out of curiosity, I went mm -hmm. back and looked at the reaction as far as we can have it documented yeah. to Brown versus Board of Education. Okay. And to see what happened. Now, tell us again about so Brown. So Brown versus Board of Education was a Supreme Court case uh, in the mid-1950s that overturned Plessy versus Ferguson. And Plessy versus Ferguson was the Supreme Court decision that held that separate but equal accommodations based on race were constitutional. And Board Brown versus Board of Ed overturned that and said separate but equal doctrine is not constitutional and schools need to desegregate. So uh, the the... The South was not taking that well. And in 1956, a Democratic senator, Democratic U.S. Senator Harry Flood Byrd, issued what he called his call for massive resistance. And he is quoted as, say, as saying, 
If we can organize the southern states for massive resistance to this order, I think that in time, the rest of the country will realize that racial integration is not going to be accepted in the South. I mean, that would, so they, they, uh, it, it was a collection of laws that the South passed, um, you know, it's very similar to some of the things that we're seeing in pro-abortion states, um, uh, that aggressively tried to forestall and prevent school integration. So, for example, it included a law that punished any public school that integrated by eliminating that school state funds. Wow. They were incredibly aggressive about this. So within two years, uh, again, Democratic Senator Byrd was able to garner the signatures of more than 100 Southern politicians for what he called his Southern Manifesto, Manifesto rather, an agreement to resist the implementation of Brown versus Board of Education. And he used phrases like the abuse of judicial power, right? So right. Um, where have we heard that in mm. the past couple of years? You know, uh, Chuck Schumer. You know, yep. talking about the whirlwind that was going to be unleashed if Roe was overturned. Uh, you know, senators, I mean, you could just go down the list of all the the, the Democratic senators, like the Democratic senators um, in the 1950s. Um, interesting that it's the same party um, yes. and, and both counts. Um, so we should, you know, I, I talked about how we need to take some comfort from that history, right? That yes. the legal victory in Brown didn't transform the country overnight and neither neither will Dobbs. So, okay. uh, but returning abortion to the people is a significant victory. And this is already forcing states to reconsider the humanity of the unborn. And when we're talking about different um, gestational ages that we're cutting off abortion at some, you mm -hmm. know, in some states, it's forcing people to look at, okay, now, well, if we're saying 12-week ban, what does that unborn child look like at 12 weeks, right? So it's... It's making people go back and look at the science and look at the biology and look at the, you know, all of the other factors that go into trying to come up with something, a solution that, that most people are comfortable with. And, you know, we know most people, most Americans say they would limit abortion to between 6 and 12 weeks. Uh, the vast majority of Americans say that with exceptions for life of the mother, not health, life of the mother, and then rape and incest. And that's really where the most of Western Europe is, frankly. It's not where we are morally, but that certainly is where the vast majority of American people are. So, you know, those are limits that people tend to be comfortable with. Americans don't want elective abortions after 20 weeks. Um, you know, as as we've seen, it was, you know, Sandra Day O'Connor who said Roe versus Wade is not on a collision course with itself because as science advances— that we we know more about the unborn child, but Roe permitted abortion legally up until the moment of birth. So just the American people have never, you know, really been comfortable with it. But, you know, you, you it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this 2024 election cycle, because uh, just before I left to go to Naples, the White House announced that First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, and she's not a medical doctor. What is she a doctor Oh, of? it's hilarious. Education. Education, I know. And I have people who have gone back, friends. Um, who have gone and uh, the number of joke. the number of Americans who actually think she's a medical doctor, it would blow your mind. Um, and, well, you and, know, you and I could be called doctor. Yes, I know we could. So, and in Europe, we are. They they actually would. I was at a, spoke at a conference in mm -hmm. Prague one time, and they kept referring to me as Doctor Fiorito, which I found very cool. But but also made me uncomfortable because I'm like, this can be so misinterpreted. I'm not a doctor. So, well, anyway, so I need to take a drink of water there. But um. But the first lady announced that um, she was going to be having as her guest at the State of the Union address um, a woman uh, named 
Kate Cox, who is from Texas, okay. who at her 20-week scan when she was pregnant was diagnosed with a baby who had trisomy 18, oh, which is, is a life-limiting condition in yeah. most cases. Not every case. Senator Rick Santorum's daughter mm-hmm. has trisomy 18, and she's 13 years old now, so not every I guess baby. everybody doesn't die. No, no. Uh, and girls have a longer life expa- uh, span than boys do. Boys with trisomy 18 um, tend only to live. I don't, and I don't understand why that is genetically, but that's the case. Um so uh, this this woman petitioned uh, the Supreme Court of Texas to have an abortion, saying that her future fertility would, would be at risk. But even her pro-abortion doctors would not say under oath that her life was at risk because it wasn't. The child doesn't pose a threat to the mom's life. So she went to another state and aborted the baby. Um, she is going to be the first lady's guest at the State of the Union. And so the White House and the Biden campaign must have done some pretty intense polling because this seems to be what they're focusing on. Two weeks ago, there were Senate hearings um, called by some of the pro-abortion Democrats with women who had been diagnosed with children with anencephaly or trisomy 18, um, where women carrying a disabled child were referred to. They were being forced, one of the test uh, women who gave testimony, said to be walking coffins is what they were called. I mean, what a disparaging way to refer to the disabled and kids yes. with special needs. Yes. I mean, these people are ghouls. We knew that already, but this is just ghoulish and gruesome. And But that's going to be one of the things they focus on. Well, I think they're picking up on polling that says every woman in the United States is up in arms uh, over the decision to overturn Roe. And I really don't think that that's true. But they're fanning the flame and, you know, stay away from Illinois. Because God knows if Pritzker can move the needle to an even more pro-abort state, he will. I, I, I mean, it's there has to be something that stops the madness. It's almost as if when you come to the state of Illinois, you get handed a pamphlet that says, if you need an abortion, this is the place you can get one in the right. state of Illinois. And there is a billboard. Um that when I drive into Indiana, there is a billboard that says, you can't get an abortion here, but you can get one in Illinois. Yeah. And to me, that is just, I mean, you're on your vacation mode. You're driving. It's all looking good. The sun is shining. You got your sunnies on. You're ready to hit the beach and the lake. If you can't get, you can't get an abortion here in Indiana, but you can get one in Illinois. Well, you know what I would love to see is is billboards up. Uh, as you're leaving Illinois, saying if you are injured from your abortion here in Illinois, here is a number you can call. If your uterus is perforated, if you get an infection, if your bowel is perforated, um, any of those things, abortion injuries, call this number. And And especially if your heart is broken and you know that what you've done deep in your heart of hearts is wrong and against what God would have for you in your life, call this number. Right. And as always, Loretta throws in the disclaimer. Uh, If you have had an abortion, please call your parish, call your archdiocese. Rachel weeps for her children. Yes. And there is post-abortive help at every level that you are eligible for, and the church 
welcomes you with open arms and wants to help you right. heal. Right. And so Project Rachel is the name of that ministry. And it's um, you can go to the website for the Catholic Bishops Conference and they can, you know, no matter where you live in the country, and then they can direct you to a place locally where you can go to get help. So uh, we are going to go to our next break. This is Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich on Winds of Change on AM 750. Don't go away. St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy, is open 24 hours a day, seven days per week for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in the iconic monstrance. The Blessed Sacrament is reposed during the celebration of Mass and during special events. St. Stan's doors are always open for adoration. Come anytime, day or night. St. Stan's is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, right off the Kennedy. Visit ststanschurch.org. We are the students of St. Stan's La Costa Academy, and you're listening to the Winds of Change. St. Stanislaus Costa Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic, social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. ststanschicago.org. And welcome back. This is Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich. Thanks for listening to Winds of Change. We're happy to be with you today. So yesterday in the Catholic Church, it was what is called... I'm going to hopefully remember I'm my... I'm going to let you my, do this one, okay, Mary. <laughs> my high school Latin, Sister Florence Marie Gerties, was my teacher. Septuagisima Sunday, Septuagisima Sunday, which is um, the ninth Sunday before Easter. So I'll just read you a little explainer. If it wasn't uh, observed at your parish yesterday, the Catholic Church has instituted a preparation for the holy time of Lent. You are given three weeks of Septuagisima, during which... The church withdraws us as much as can be possible from the distractions of the world in order that our hearts may be more readily impressed by the solemn warning the church will be giving us at the start of Lent by marking our forehead with ashes. Septuagisima Sunday is the ninth Sunday before Easter, and it is the day on which the season of preparation for Lent begins, and this has been the tradition for more than a thousand years in the church. Lent should not begin with the abruptness of Ash Wednesday, but rather parishes should be following the church's directives to gradually prepare the faithful for the 40 days to come starting with Ash Wednesday. So that actually, that's what, nine days from now. Wow. Lent is, yeah, it's on February 14th. Oh, and it's not on Valentine's Day. It's not even on the liturgical calendar anymore. It is a minor memorial in the church. And no, I know, but the story no, around Valentine's Day is so good. I know it is, but there's no dispensation that you're going to get to eat meat on Valentine's Day. Don't even ask. I it is not a thing. Don't even think chocolate. about asking. I think yeah. more people would. Sorry, be you're not eating, eating at all. You're getting your one, your one salmon burger and uh, <laughs> and some salad. That's your. That's your. You know what? In the church, I, it was interesting. I was asked by the National Catholic Register. Um, 
for some commentary on what, you know, my family is going to do because Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, people have lost their ever-loving minds. And I said, well, we'll just have something the night before. You know, like <gasps> What a concept. You know, I said the church, we're very big on eves. You know, we got okay, Christmas but... Eve, All Hallows Eve, that's Halloween. We do eves really well but in, that's in the Punchy Catholic Church. Day. It's but... also Punchki Day. Yes. And it's also, so Punchki Day, and if... You're listening from some area outside of Chicago. You can just Google it. It's spelled P-A-C-Z-K-I, uh, but pronounced Punchki. And there are um, lots of competitions between bakeries about who can do the best Punchki. Don't go buy them from the Jewel. They are nasty, and they've been sitting there for a couple of days. No people from Poland would buy them from a grocery store. You've got to go to a bakery where they've made them that morning. That's yes. apparently the only proper yes. way. And the prune Punchki which is deceptively looking like chocolate. I yes. will just warn, uh, listeners, I'm warning you. If it looks like chocolate, it's not. It's probably prune. Ask first. Uh, <laughs> just take my word for it. Um, so the, but that's, the prune is really, prune and rose water are the two most authentic punchki. I know, I know, but my Polish friends all tell me this. Yes, they get very, so anyway. Give uh, me a very, Boston cream or a raspberry. Yeah. Oh, I like the strawberry ones myself. Yes. The strawberry yes. ones are good. So um, used the, to be a big day at the office. Yes. Because we had people that would take orders. Right. And so where did you, you get them from? Rooters or Weber Bakery? Oh, Weber. Yeah, and, Weber's good. Yes, and they, Barnowski Bakery too on Grand is really good. Yes, a lot of people would bring them in, and we would do nothing but each. Of us would eat at least three punch cakes. Oh my god, they're so it good! So good, they're <laughs> so good. Yeah, it was a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. But so well, that. so we'll do you know Mardi Gras slash Punchki Day slash yes. Valentine's Eve at our house, and no one will die because I mean it just it's so absurd to me. And I um, have had some friends whose children are attending Catholic elementary schools who have written me asking for advice because they're like their teachers are planning classroom parties on Ish Wednesday. Okay. And I said, no, totally inappropriate. Go to your pastor. Do not even stop at the school principal. Go to the pastor right. and explain that there's going to be, you know, freaking classroom parties on Ish Wednesday. I mean, what on earth? Well, I think they're cutting back on the classroom parties because they recognize so. the level of sugar that comes into the classroom. It makes the kids crazier than crazy. Oh, it crazy. does. Yeah. And, uh, but I do think, you know, people need to notice that there are restrictions in Lent that we deny ourselves towards looking towards the greater good that's coming. Yes. And, you know, those restrictions, we don't have to go through them. You know, their age requirement. If you're, you know, an elderly person or you're sick, you know, Find something else to give up if you can't give up your food. But what is happening is your pastor should put it in your bulletin. It'll be on the Archdiocesan website. What are the Lenten um, guidelines for what you can eat for Lent? And I think one of the things that we need to remember is, you know, when we eat fish on Friday, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh you know, icky tuna fish, if you don't like tuna fish or a, a filet of fish burger or something. But at the same time, you're sort of defeating the purpose of Lent. If you go and have like, uh, you know, unlimited shrimp at uh, Red Lobster. Right. So you got Or like, lobster itself at Red Lobster. Or lobster way. itself at Red Lobster. Yeah, it's, so yeah, it's, it's really... Um, what are you fasting from and why and what is the appropriate disposition you need to put yourself in? You know, our parish does uh, a 
I, they, I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but they do a, a, what they call a simple supper. And what they'll do is they'll invite everyone to come to Stations of the Cross and then come back to the school hall for soup. Wow. And, you know, you can fill up on a little soup and bread. Yes. You know, Magigoria, you know, Blessed Mother said, it doesn't have to be dry old bread. Right. And I've had some delicious bread as I'm fasting. Yes. And, you know, there was actually a company at one po- point that did something called fasting bread. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a it's a very nutritious, mm-hmm. heavy form of bread so that you weren't getting, you know, I know people, and you're trying to fast on Wonder Bread. And by the end of the day, they're vomiting because they're so sick from the, you know, um, eating the bad Wonder Bread. So people back in the day when they did a bread and water fast, it was a very different kind of bread mm-hmm. than the bread that we would eat now. So um, I, you know, I had the privilege of interviewing for the Edify podcast, uh, the the gentleman who founded this Exodus 90 organization. Mm-hmm. So that's for men. Um, but I would really recommend it. I was so impressed with him. And actually, Exodus 90 starts on January 1st, but mm. they do have a lot of men who haven't joined on by January 1st who join on Ash Wednesday and then follow up the rest of the program with them. But it's a real fast from social media of all wow. kinds and cold showers. And, yep, cold showers, uh, fast from social media, no alcohol. Uh, I'm trying to think what some of the other things were. but you And for everything that you give up, You have to substitute something good with it. So prayer time, scripture reading, time with your children, time with your spouse, uh, time, you know, with your whatever your profession might be. And if you're retired, you, you know, do a volunteer work, but you really direct your energy. And the men who have gone through it, I mean, the reason it's become like a national, you know, initiative now is because the men who have gone through Exodus 90 said their lives are, you know, as the name suggests, they're freed from all sorts of terrible, I mean, especially porn addictions and mm-hmm. alcohol addictions are very significant. And uh, they find themselves freed from it. After those 90 days, they're free. Wow. It's real. So Exodus 90, you can just Google it. And it's a, it's a um. men's only program, sort of like the Promise Keepers on the Protestant mm-hmm. side. This is a Catholic program. So, um, yeah, I would really recommend it if you're, uh, if you're a gentleman and you're looking for something extraordinary to do this Lent. That It's a good program. And I think, I believe daily mass and daily rosary are also part of the requirements. Very good. Yeah. So. And where do you find out more about it? I just, I think just Google Exodus 90. Okay. They have websites and then in each, you know, parish where uh, Exodus 90 is established, they have what they call fraternities. So you'll be in a fraternity with five or six other men. Uh, and then, so it's um, mutual accountability. Um, and so you meet with your fraternity group every, I think it's once or twice a week to help you encourage each other. Oh, how wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Maybe you could great. see if you could get into your parish bulletin then for, um, you know, for Lent. It would be a great thing. Uh, we're, we're doing Alpha for Lent. What, and what is Alpha? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. But what I've learned about it, I, I, I have to honestly say, Somebody may want to get a handle on what it is because I asked the question, and I won't say who or what or where, but I asked the question. Apparently, you go in your—somebody's home, Mm -hmm. you have a meal, you uh, then watch a video, and then you have a group discussion uh, around whatever you're learning on the video. Okay, so I just looked up Exodus 90. It's Exodus and then the numbers 90.com. Mm-hmm. So Exodus90.com, and you can sign up for free. It's all free. Lent starts in 11 days, 
sorry, eight days, 11 hours and 16 minutes. They've got a Lent, a Lent time, timer going there. Uh, okay. But well, the, the three goals are to have deeper conversations with God. You'll learn to pray every day during Lent. Trade your distractions for peace. With Lent by Exodus, you'll return to the ancient tradition of asceticism and go from being bros to being brothers. So with your fraternity group, you'll have the uh, roadmap to true brotherhood with real uh, men who are eager to, you know, have a relationship with the Lord. So, Well, I don't um, think that kind of stuff is happening with Alpha because I asked the question, what's the purpose of Alpha? Are you drawing Catholics in together to become better Catholics? Or are you just drawing unbelievers in to become believers and maybe eventually Catholic? And they didn't seem to know the answer to that mm, question. I see. So uh, Cardinal Burke mm-hmm. uh, indicated that no one under any of his uh, patronages or organizations okay. was allowed to bring Alpha into their really? organizations. Yeah, I found that very interesting. Huh. And, and what's it called again? It's called Alpha, A-L-F-A. It was started by a Protestant individual. And I, God bless the Protestants because we got so much Holy Spirit in our church because of the Protestants. We have so much pro-life work because of the Lutherans. They have, you know, the different denominations have brought so much good to our living and our lives as Catholics. But... This was started by a Protestant man, and I think it's just to make more Protestants. And, and so what is it? So Alpha, and then is there anything—I just keep—I'm just Googling it. I'm getting sure. Alpha Romeo, which is—I'm no, quite you certain you're that's the car. You're not driving a fast car, yes. Mary. So Alpha Ministry? I guess so. I don't know. Okay. Okay, and that's going to be at your parish? That's going to be at our parish. Oh, that's it's already, They've already had the practice team, and now they're seeing how it works, and now they're having another team. Okay. But I can't get answers, so. Interesting. I can't find my name on a sign-up form. Okay. Wow, is that? Yeah. That so, is wild. You know, if it's, if it's the good work of God, may it prosper. Yeah. If it is not the work of God, may it end now well, you know in Jesus' name. Yes, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. My phone is exploding now. Everybody's texting me. Telling me that uh, King Charles has cancer. <laughs> My parents were from Britain, so in yes, fairness, yes, I people, understand. People that. think I have an interest but. in this. So um, anyway, but it is, yeah. This is just wild. Um, what a crazy day. Yeah, so far. Well, so I realize that as you are from UK. Yes. Well, my parents were. Yes. Um, but at any rate, okay, so Alpha is a program we, we're not recommending, it sounds like. Um, well, I know a lot of people are doing the Hallow app during Lent as well. I'm not happy with the Hallow uh, app either. I, I am not. I, 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 I tried to do it last Lent with the Hallow app, and I did not find it fruitful. It wasn't It wasn't a good fit for me. And um, who is the who is the the brilliant British actor? Well, he's Irish, Liam Neeson. Yeah. The and you know, Irish, he's my, you know he's my cousin, right? We've talked about this. I yeah. did not know yes, Liam Neeson was your cousin. He Mary, how like, is it that he supports? Uh, well, as my we'll mother talk. said, oh, no, my mother, you know, she, she said, you know, the thing that pained my mother most about him, um, you know, she said he knows better. He was not raised that way. And, no, he's from Ballymena in County Antrim, which my great-grandmother, Hannah Neeson, was also from Ballymena in Northern Ireland at, uh, in, at County Antrim. And so um, there's like five Catholics in Ballymena, and we're all, they're all related to each other. So he's like my second or third cousin, something like that, oddly enough. And I thought the only enough, greatness. Which is where my height 
height comes from. Yeah, from that I thought the side. only greatness attached to you was the glory you give God. Oh, no, no. Well, you I don't know that this is more celebrity. of a liability to me right, uh, to me right now. It's um, Though I did, I must say, I very much enjoyed his cameo in, in Dairy Girls. That was oh. priceless. Well, I don't know you if you were said a big Dairy it, Girl well, fan. I was. I thought it was very well written and very, very funny. And... Um, a well, little he's tongue a very in, talented well, he's a, he's an incredibly talented actor. Couldn't they, yeah. couldn't they have, couldn't but he, have found somebody who was no? And there, I know a number of people, just myself personally, who canceled their Halo subscriptions because of uh, the Liam Neeson, um, and they did not handle it well, in my opinion. Maybe they didn't realize the extent of his abortion advocacy in Ireland, but it. I mean, he took out and he was in an ad yeah. in favor of the Eighth Amendment. I mean, it's just. Um, I- Ireland is not the country it once was, except for the west of Ireland, where some of my cousins still live. And um, yeah, that was. And now they're doing elective abortions up to 24 weeks in Ireland. I mean, God help us. It's, you know, the the Irish people were never known for this until recently. But well, why don't we go to our last break, and then when we come back, we'll have some additional ideas for Lent for you and how to celebrate St. Valentine's Day the day before, like you probably should. So okay. please don't go away, listeners. Sometimes it's tough to hear winds of change over the air. What with tall buildings, power lines, and other static. Now you can hear winds of change anywhere, anytime, or on any device. When winds of change is on the air, live, Monday through Friday, noon to one, go to ststandschurch.org. Scroll down to the winds of change tile and click on the listen live button for winds of change podcasts Click on Listen to Episodes or visit the Winds of Change Facebook page. You are listening to Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich on Winds of Change. St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy, is open 24 hours a day, seven days per week for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in the iconic monstrance. The Blessed Sacrament is reposed during the celebration of Mass and during special events. St. Stan's doors are always open for adoration. Come anytime, day or night. St. Stan's is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, right off the Kennedy. Visit ststanschurch.org. And welcome back. This is Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich. We're sitting in for Father Anthony. Going into our last few minutes now, this show always goes by so quickly. We're talking about Septuagesima Sunday, which was yesterday, which is the time, the sev- it's the ninth Sunday before Easter, so usually about two weeks before Ash Wednesday, which falls on St. Valentine's Day this year. And no, you can't have a dispensation, and do not even think about asking for one. Uh, we have covered that at the beginning of the show, but I just want to reiterate for listeners who may be joining us a little I mean, bit but late what today. would you want a dispensation for? Oh, meat, I imagine, or alcohol. On Valentine's Day? I did, well, if you're going, you're, you're going out to dinner. I, I just find it absolutely absurd. I, uh, anyway, I, I've okay. had multiple inquiries already, um, as some of you follow my, for all my friends whose, Catholic friends whose mothers aren't on Facebook, notifications on Facebook that I've Or become, who mothers are in heaven and need the help. Right. I just need a reminder, as yeah. my mother would have. So um, a lot of people follow that. And it's so funny. I started doing that as kind of a favor to a friend. And now if I don't post something on a Holy Day of Obligation or what have you, People, like, they message me privately and say, aren't you going to do your message? And I'm just, you know, it's really, I'm thinking, 
how did I get myself into this? Mary, the Catholic so, moderator yes. of the world. <laughs> we, I, isn't this funny? I mean, the things I, anyway, it's, it's you know, of all the things I thought I would be known for at the end of my life, reminding people of Holy Days of Obligation was not one of them, but here, yet here we are. So, uh, but I mean, it's, it, in a way it's nice because it apparently, it, people find it important. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Did I, so did I ever tell you my story about, so a friend I went to Loyola with, to undergraduate uh, with, who, um, well, he, I don't know because this is the first time hearing story. about this is Liam a great, Neeson. This, so. Oh, that's right. So you probably don't know this story either. <laughs> and here I thought we were friends, Loretta, all this time. Um, but he called Campus Ministry when we were an undergrad. I can't remember what holy day it was, but to find out if it was a holy day of obligation. <laughs> so he calls and he gets um, kind of lovely, kind, but social justice kind of lefty Catholic who works at Campus Ministry. I know that's shocking, right? Um, and says, so is tomorrow... I'd be shocked Is tomorrow a Holy Day of Obligation? <laughs> so she launches into this, like, five-minute feverino about how it is a Holy Day of Opportunity, not of Obligation, and you should look at it as an opportunity. And every time we get to go to Mass and worship as a, you know, as a community, it's a... And so she goes, again, like, five minutes she's going on and on and at the end of it without a hint of irony because he just he didn't even get like he says so do i gotta go to mass tomorrow or not <laughs> <laughs> like he was totally baffled by this woman and then she was all upset with him and oh my gosh so hilarity ensued but anyway i just i won't name him but his first name was danny i won't say his last name because i don't have permission but i will never forget him telling that story and telling me i was laughing so hard i was crying um about how angry and upset she got. She was all, you know, thinking she probably had some kind of new convert or whatever. And she wasn't telling him not to go to Mass, but just right. not to think of it as an obligation. Right. I get that. And, and I get the That's concept. all he cared about was the obligation just, part. Not about is that. there going to be a box checked if right. I don't exactly. go? Exactly. <laughs> you know, honestly, so uh, will I get in trouble if, yeah. I, if I don't go? So I thought that was uh, that's one of my favorite stories about uh, Holy Days of Obligation. But at any rate, um, so St. Valentine's Day is, it is actually, technically, it's the the Feast of Cyril, Saints Cyril and Methodius. Valentine's not even on the calendar anymore, isn't really? it? Really? Yeah, no. I did not know that. No, well, Valentine. clearly become Valentine a is holiday. like christopher you know, Hallmark it's, has well, it's taken just, it over. Well, they took out the saint, and now it's just Valentine's Day. Well, I We know. don't do that. I mean, it's not Patrick's know, but the Day, story right? is so beautiful. Well, why don't you share the story? Because I know you are, you are I, I, uh, particularly... Um, well, it's, entranced by the story, and it's beautiful. Go ahead. Well, Valentinius, or whatever his real Roman name was, was a faithful follower of Christ, and Rome put out an edict that soldiers couldn't marry because they didn't want soldiers engaging in the marital act and losing their virility before they went into battle. Oh, so this okay. was something that 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 Rome thought was was going to keep these guys like aggressive. And all these men wanted to marry and Valentinius was marrying them. So he got put in prison, in jail, whatever the local jail was. And there was a jailer there who knew how uh, brilliant and intelligent Valentinius was. And so he brought his little girl who was blind to come to the jail every day uh, to t uh, teach uh, his daughter about all the information that Valentinius knew. And so uh, as it was coming towards his death day, his sentencing, he asked her, he goes, what is the, he asked the little girl, what is it you would like? And she said, I want to see. 
Mm. And so um, he wrote her a letter the night before he died. The letter was given to her, and on the the you know the myth around Valentine's Day, he was given he this letter was given to her after he was executed, and she then gained her sight, and so that's the story of how a letter and a Valentine uh, to a little girl came about. But really what I just would encourage everyone is to sit down and write someone you care about uh, just a little note that says so. Take Mm -hmm. the opportunity of Valentine's Day to say on this feast of love, you are important to me. And tell them why you're important. Um, I have a niece and nephews who write me the most beautiful cards, and I save them and I get them out. And they they don't necessarily send them to me on Valentine's Day. It's more Christmas. But I cherish those cards. I read them again. And so, you know, if there's somebody in your life that could use a little perking up, if there's somebody in a nursing home or in the hospital or, you know, maybe just somebody in your family that doesn't get selected out of everybody. Take the time to uh, send them a valentine, telling them how important they are to you. And, of course, you can always add my favorite, how much God loves them, and you can never get away from love that comes from God. It only gets bigger. But I would really like us to think that that's an opportunity for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I, you know, it is a beautiful, the legend behind yes. St. Valentine, and there's a number of different ones. It's very beautiful. There's not, I think he is like um, St. Christopher, as I mentioned, and St. Philomena, in that there is not enough historical data to suggest um, definitively that, that this is not something of pious legend and actually happened, et cetera, et cetera. It. So he was removed from the, um, he's not, He's, his feast day isn't on the Roman calendar anymore. So February fourteenth is Cyril and Methodius. Thanks, but I think I've been to but, Cyril and Methodius's church yes. in Rome. It's magnificent. Yes, but no one sends anybody anything for poor Cyril and Methodius's no. feast day. And uh, maybe they sent each other something because they were brothers. It's like it's like Simon and Jude. Like poor Saint Simon. Like everybody's all about Saint Jude, and yeah. Simon is like, what about me? You know. Yeah. So that they should have separated them because poor Saint Simon always gets the short end of the stick, I think, on his on his day. But I'm sure he's fine with it because he's with the Lord in heaven. Absolutely. Yeah, he probably could care less. And, Absolutely. You know, so, um, there anyway, we yeah, the, and course, Unless he and still poor, has a mission on earth like yeah. St. Therese. And, and poor St. Jude has not had a waking moment, or a sleeping moment, rather, since he, since he went. He's no break for him. It's like St. Anthony. Um, anyway, well, listen, listeners, it's been uh, marvelous being with you this past hour. We Uh, We'll be back with you next Monday for another exciting show about um, what to do and not to do on each Wednesday. (laughs) And maybe some other topics as well. So this has been Mary Fiorito and Loretta Fralick sitting in for Father Anthony here on Winds of Change on AM 750 WNDZ. Have a beautiful week. What's there to say when the world makes no sense? Do we search deeper truths or sit on the fence? Can you see? Can you see? Meaningless thought The shell appears strong But the inside